fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Welcome to The Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that the Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. And so I bring you greetings in the wonderful saving name of Jesus Christ. He's the one that we exist, that we live, that we commit ourselves to announce and serve. That's the mission of Harvest International. That's the purpose of uh, the Bible Speaks radio program. And so it's a joy for me to come to you again today. For any of you who have been listening in for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about giving and receiving, about deceptive living, about lust of the eye and lust of the world, and wanting things. And we spoke about the Old Testament story of Gehazi, the assistant of Elisha the prophet, who had seen God work a miracle in the life of Naaman, the captain of the guards from Syria, whose king had sent him over to Israel to be healed. And the long and short of it is that the king sent him to the king of Israel, who had no power to heal him, but Elisha, the servant of God, moved by God, instructed Naaman to go to the river Jordan and wash seven times and come back and he was rid of his leprosy. Elisha, not willing to take the riches sent to him by the king of Syria, said no. But Gehazi, his servant, got itching palms and lustful eyes and so he went after the Naaman and his entourage and told them a lie and the outcome of it was that God struck him the leprosy that Naaman had been rid of because he wanted what wasn't his he lied to get it it was an example of people who go after what doesn't belong to them will do anything to get it and there are some people today who have riches that we don't know how they got it and we don't we shouldn't lust after it, and we certainly shouldn't lie and steal to get it. Then we moved from Gehazi to a man in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 5, and he and his wife, he was Naaman, and his wife's name was Sapphira, and they didn't go after riches. Their lust was for something different. They wanted power and recognition. They had money. In Acts chapter 4, the story was told that the people who had extra funds, the well-to-do among the congregation in the New Jerusalem church, some of them sold their properties, or some properties they had, and brought the money. That was the result of the sale to the apostles, and they were able to help the people who were in need. Well, at first, uh, this man and his wife, Ananias and Sapphira, weren't part of the giving crowd. But when they saw the reception and the 
adulation that these people got. Apparently, they went home and said, look, we got to get some of that too. So they went out and they did like the other people did. They sold a piece of land, got a quick sale, took the proceeds home and decided, well, we're going to give it, give it to the apostles. But they kept that apart. They purposely gave or decided to give a portion of it. And, of course, the disciples wouldn't know whether they'd given all the money they promised or not. But they were doing business with God in the dark, and you can't do that. So they went to the portion that they had chosen to give, and they told the apostle Peter and the gathered company, oh, we sold this, and here, is the, here are the proceeds. We want you to use it for the mission. Now, there was nothing wrong with that, we said last week, but what was wrong was that he lied. He said, these are the proceeds. He could have given half, a quarter, give him whatever he wanted. Nobody was compelling him, but he wanted to give an impression about his generosity. And we made it clear, and I repeat to you today, don't play games with God. If you say you're going to do A, do A. And if you don't do A, don't profess to have done it, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be money. And so today, I thought I'd put an, an uh, accentuation mark on those two messages and just focus on Christian giving, the nature of Christian giving. As we heard from the Lord Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, he made it clear that your giving should be a thing between you and God. Let me read from Matthew chapter 6 again. Chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen of them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. There's an implication there, my friend, that God is looking for what you profess to be doing, to be laying up treasure in heaven. And he says, in effect, that's reward worthy. But if it's not real, Jesus says, your father says you get it already. It's all laid out right here. And you shall not have that which God would have had you to have. So, I guess the lesson is give with sincerity and give with simplicity. Give with generosity. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, we read, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good works. Good work. That's guaranteed, my friend. God is in the business of blessing, but God is in the business of honesty and simplicity. Give with the attitude of worship. Giving is not a show-and-tell exercise. It's divine worship. God gave, and as a result, we are asked to give. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we read, I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters, that you give your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable thing for you to do. Inasmuch, he says, Essentially, since God did all that for you, you do this. Give generously. Don't give to impress others, as did Ananias and Sapphira. It says in Acts chapter 5, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Let's stop there. Also. What's also there for? Because in chapters for we read the story of a real spiritual movement as people were selling property and giving it to the church so they could take care of the poor. Great thing. But they were doing it from their hearts. And we talked about this Ananias and Sapphira already, but it says, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept back part for yourself some of the money you received from the land? And he went on to ask him, and he said, yes, this is all of it. Don't play games with God, my friend. Don't give to impress. Don't give grudgingly. We read in Second Corinthians chapter 9. Don't lie about your giving to impress others. There can be deadly consequences. Ananias dropped dead. The Spirit of God was at work. And I don't know whether that was in the beginning of the church, so we get the message. God sometimes delays his judgment and his response to our hypocrisy. But a day is coming when we stand before the judgment seat of our Lord Jesus. And we shall receive according to our deeds and our lies and our misrepresentations will be exposed. Don't wait for that. Straighten it up now. God expects us to give bountifully. You see, it's not the amount you give. It's the spirit in which you give. And it's a proportion of which you give. You, know, you may go to a gathering and somebody gives... $10,000 for this missions program. And the other person was only able to give $5. But that $5 may be proportionately more than that $10,000 that the wealthy person gave. My friend, God expects you to give as he has blessed you and no more. Oh, I wish we had time to talk about tithing. In the book of Malachi chapter 4, we read that God's people had robbed God in the tithes. And so, New Testament preachers are taking that over and are literally pushing their congregation to tithe. Now hear me out well. 
I don't say you shouldn't tithe. I do. I have for a long time. In fact, without anybody knowing it, back in the late 40s, after I came to Christ, early 50s, a friend of mine, George Webster and I, who were very passionate about missions, we made a pact that we would give 20% of our little income to the Lord. And we did, and God has rewarded and blessed. And my friend, what you decide in your heart is what God wants. But I'm also saying to you, don't be stingy with God. God wants to be generous with you. God loved you enough to give his son to die for you. And he wants to bless you and bless you and bless you. My friend, giving to God is an act of worship. Just as we are called upon to give our whole bodies, so all that we possess are to be available to God for his service. Someone has said, if the Hebrew people under law tithed, gave a tenth, we under grace should be willing to give twice as much. Think about that. And somebody listening in today hasn't yet come to Christ. And so God isn't wanting you to pay for your redemption. He wants you to receive the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then the Spirit of God will move you to do the things of God for the glory of God. God grant that somebody there will say yes to Jesus today. Amen. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478.